0: Hello and welcome back to the Defined Engagement Bookcast. I'm Doug Fine. Today we'll speak again with Devin Halliday. He's the author of Belonging Factor, How Great Brands and Great Leaders Inspire Loyalty, Build Community, and Grow Profits. The chapter we'll be discussing today is chapter 10 from his book, What Would Your 12-Year-Old Self Think? That sounds pretty interesting, and it is. Welcome back, Devin Halliday. Hello, everybody. I'm here in the Defined Engagement Bookcast headquarters, and I'm here with Devin Halliday, the author of Belonging Factor How Great Brands and Great Leaders Inspire Loyalty, Develop and Build Community, and Grow profits, Devin Halliday. Welcome again for chapter chapter ten today. Yeah,
1: great to be with you today, Doug. Right,
0: great, great to, great to have you, uh, Devin. This chapter ten is what would your twelve year old self think? And I just think that's really hmm. interesting. It's 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 going to inspire people to go, uh, what the hell is he talking about here? Because that's what it did to me. But how can people going back to their mindset or their 12-year-old self when it comes to the world of jobs, companies, and professional success. Can you um, just talk a little bit about what you were thinking when
1: and what, what going back to 12 meant for you? Yeah, what was I thinking? Why, why in a book geared to, to being accessible to um, professions when it comes to building a sense of belonging, why would I talk about being a kid, a preteen, Preteen, yeah, preteen, like kind of ridiculous, right? I mean, I, I think about my my sons when they're twelve. Uh, I think about myself when I was twelve. Why is that? Why is that a person who should influence my decision making right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I um, listen. Actually, I have some answers. So, sure. in uh, in this chapter, really, this stemmed from a conversation I had with um, the co-founder of SJC Drums, which I think we talked about in the prior chapter, is is part of this book as well um, as an organization and what they do in their company. But I was having a conversation on the podcast with Mike Chaprari, and he said something that just uh, upon, you know, listening back to it and editing the podcast, it really got me thinking and exploring deeper. And so I started to do a little bit more work on this concept. And what he said was, Yeah, I really just like to think back to what would 12-year-old Mike like and what would 12-year-old Mike do? And what we were talking about was in relation to delivering the types of experiences that he delivers for his customer base um, and delivering the types of experiences he he delivers for his employees. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's an interesting concept. What would 12-year-old Mike do? And I explore that in this chapter. Um, first reflecting on 12-year-old me a little bit and where I was at, you know, and the things musically um, since it, it was related to this this guy who, who owns a drum company and I'm a drummer, but just musically, you know, I, I just, I wanted to be like somebody. I wanted to play what they played. I wanted to do what they did. I wanted to say what they said. I wanted to wear what they wore. <laughs> Sounds pretty common for a 12-year-old, right? Absolutely. Yeah. But why?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And why was that important? And then, how does that then show up and reflect in in the values of building a sense of belonging since that's what we're really talking about in this book and what it really boiled down to is it's a really simple mechanism at 12 years old either something's cool or it's not either someone's cool or they're not mm. either they're a jerk or they're not right kind of binary so what would your 12 year old self think of you right now as an adult mm business building a culture a community a sense of belonging or not in your workforce and the decisions that you're making as you progress would your 12 year old self think that you're pretty cool and say you know what that's that's somebody i could i could dig i could inspire uh, or i could be aspire to be growing up uh, or would they think that maybe you're kind of a jerk and like this is not cool what's the value of that though right i mean it, again simple and binary but sometimes taking that reflection allows us to look at you know that binary reflection on, on a big macro uh, view here it allows us to really look at like man i am i am really kind of off base on the things that, that are that are important here i have gone so much into the weeds and into the minutia of operational objectives like we talked about last chapter um or some, some other paths that really we're missing this big picture of dude, we're not building a sense of belonging here and that's really affecting what we do. Or, yeah, man, this is cool. We've got employees who are really feeling connected into our values, they're delivering for each other, for the company and for our customers, right? So it's that idea of of examining something in that real rudimentary sense, as opposed to, well, I've got these 16 KPIs that show that the decision I made was good, even though you have employees screaming and customers screaming about how bad something might be or, or how much off the mark something might be. Um, so stop using those KPIs, stop using those other things to justify. That's something you learned as a grown up to, to make sense of the world. What, what was it when you were 12? Now connect the dot to why is that important? I don't know. You tell me, why do you think that would be important,
0: Doug? Hey, who's doing the interview here? No, I, 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 know, I, I...
1: It's the podcast host me. I'm sorry.
0: No, of course. You know, I think this... I, I had a little time. That's why I kind of made this question like, what does this mean? Why'd you go there? But now I get it. Okay? Yeah. Now I get it that... Um, I'll, I'll just share a story. This is... Uh, for what it's worth. I was uh, probably 12. I was probably 12 when these Adidas shoes came out that had the three, you know, the three stripes. Mm-hmm. They were the basic shoe, probably the first shoe Adidas ever made. White, white, white shoe, black stripes, and they probably cost back then $15, maybe $20, but that's an expensive shoe. Yeah, so like a
1: $90 shoe right now.
0: Yes. Yeah. Then another company made some knockoffs that looked exactly like the white Adidas. Um, shoe, and I—I I knew I'd never get Adidas because this is this wasn't this wasn't in our my family's financial uh, possibility, with eight children, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. putting us in private school, all that, you know, we I, they didn't have it. They, they it would have been ridiculous. It's a non-starter. Right. But I really thought, hey, I can get the knockoffs. They look just like it. And in fact, a few people were actually wearing those shoes now. There was the guy that had the real Adidas, and then there are a few others that had the knockoffs, and so that's what I started um, what, coveting. You know, I really wanted the knockoff shoes, and um, I made it very clear to my parents, you know, I want the, I want that. You, can, you can get them over here, whatever. Long, uh, half a story short, they went and got a pair, and that knockoff company must have gotten a cease and desist letter from adidas because they no longer they they were not making them anymore mm-hmm. and my parents my mother probably brought me home a box of shoes and it was the shoe by the the knockoff company but it had two big thick stripes thicker than an thicker than a, the adidas stripe but two stripes and i wanted to if i had a gun i'd take it you know i'd, I'd take myself out because this was just going to be awful for mm-hmm. me to walk around in these shoes. Oh, could you imagine? They weren't cool. Mm-hmm. The cool the cool ones were out there and a few of them were wearing them, but now Doug Fine has this awful deformed pair of shoes with two wide stripes and I I've been thinking about this because there's a little story um, I think my mother went out and got them and brought them here because if I was in the store when she I would have just said, Hell no, I'm not getting them. You can't force me. That that will destroy my any self-esteem Friend. I have. Yeah. So the cool factor, I'm hearing you. You know, a 12-year-old can go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the final part of this story is my birthday's in a couple weeks, and I ordered a pair of the original Adidas, they that, that come back, so to speak. And I've got a pair off of Amazon I'm getting them Saturday and I'm going to like celebrate that, um, you know, it took me a while, but I finally got that pair of shoes that I just, you know, were, was coveting as a kid. So still at
1: 39 years old, you are <laughs> reflecting back to when you were 12, right? Because it's your 39th birthday, right? Absolutely. Yeah.
0: For the, eighth, um, for the 20th time.
1: 20th yeah and so but you reflecting back and it, and it's still even at 39 plus 20 it's it's this idea that at at 12 i, I wanted this thing and, and i still want it and so now i'm going to get it that's that's kind of part of it but uh the biggest piece though is that you still have in you this idea of yeah, this is something that, that, that is rad. It makes sense. Or this is something that doesn't. You didn't buy the knockoffs, right? There, there's probably some that look like them today that are knockoffs that you could get today. Yes. Especially since Adidas has changed their logo now.
0: Yes. Uh,
1: and so uh, a little bit. And so you can, um, you can probably find those now, but you, you didn't want those, right?
0: Right. Yeah. And, the, and, and so, yeah. So I get the idea of judging things cool or not. And if if organizations would, um, you know, sounds like you're. I'm. It sounds like I'm operationalizing this thing about cool factor. <laughs> but what 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 constitutes cool when you're sitting at when you're sitting in a meeting of let's just say mid level people trying to start something, trying to get a presentation together, whatever. What what are the ingredients of what's a cool factor? And, and, and hopefully, um, you know, you're a drummer and all that. That's the problem with corporate America. Nobody's rock and roll, you know? Nobody's rock and roll. Very few are, and, and that's, where, that's where freedom comes in. That's where kind of pushing against the grain. Anyway, um, so cool factor. Is there, is there a
1: check sheet that I could find? So again, uh, some really great tools. If you buy the book, the digital toolkit that comes along with it, it has ideas for um, leading some team meetings and even one-on-one uh, conversations that has a bullet point exactly about this concept. Great. Uh, there's also a worksheet on kind of, you know, um, back to 12, I think. Uh, I mm-hmm. how, yeah. But, uh, but a worksheet that takes you, you in the mindset of like, what are the things you have now in in your business, in your life? Uh, Because it doesn't just have to be business. You can do the same thing in your life. Uh, What are things you have now that you're doing now that are priorities now that you can just evaluate, like, you know, cool or uncool? Like, yes, this this aligns or it doesn't. So back to the, the first question, though, is the, is there a checklist? Yeah, and it starts like this. Take your operational objectives and take your organizational values. Take both of those things. And... Do the twelve-year-old test of does what we're what we're aiming for align with any or all of our values? <clears throat> does what we're delivering from a behaviors standpoint, actions standpoint, expectations standpoint, align with these things? If it doesn't, it's uncool, right? Mm-hmm. So if, if again, context of of delivering a culture of belonging to drive the things that that we've talked about in the prior chapters, it's a really simple test to go on that one value of, of, a, of a sense of belonging in the workforce inclusion and sense of belonging is are we doing it, yes or no? Like is, it does this fit that, yes or no? And so that's the concept is to try to take it back to that simple binary view because so often mm-hmm particularly in business, we're great at data. We love data, we crunch big data, we look at millions and millions of pieces of inputs of data and crunch them and deliver them and output them in tens of thousands of different ways. I had a KPI report that I was responsible for. It had over 121 individual KPIs (laughs) that I had to pay attention to. How many do you think we actually really manage on a daily basis? Eight or 10. But what it meant was my leaders, could nitpick on any of the other 111.
0: do just love it?
1: And, and that to me is a perfect example of no, we are not living our value of simplify the business so our employees can deliver a better experience. That was a value in the organization at the time, right? Yes. 121 KPIs is not simplifying the business so I can- It's uncool. Totally uncool, right? And so that's a perfect example use that binary decision of when you're 12 dude is this cool no this this is unrad it's completely unrad we have to do something about it and uh, fortunately uh, i ended up having a leader come in a vp come into the organization uh directly uh, in my org who said the exact same thing and you know what you, you made a great point he's a rock and roller he was like a punk rock kid growing up listened to you know the Ramones and and all the, the Bad Brains, all those things, right? And he um, he came in, and he said, "Whoa, this is wh- who did this? This is not <laughs> this is not cool." That, those were his exact words. And so it's not about the cool factor, though. That's, right? You know, I, I don't want I don't want anybody to walk away with this idea that a this is a throwaway chapter or b it's a throwaway concept. But to just think about with all of the information, knowledge, experience, and wisdom that you have at 25, 35, 45, 65 years old, how do you, how do you still use the, the wealth of that mm-hmm. with a really simple test? We overlook the simplicity of that test way too often. And as humans, we're programmed to kind of do a, you know, cool, not cool in any way in our lives. And if you're not doing it as a leader, rest assured your employees are doing it every day. Yes. A lot of things in the not cool column, they're not productive. They don't feel like they belong and they're not delivering for you, the business or their customers in the way that you need them to. Yeah. And that's what it's all about.
0: Great, Devin, that's awesome. This is really, I'll say it. This was cool. Ah,
1: <laughs> no. I passed the 12 year old Doug test.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So chapter 10 of belonging factor, what would your 12 year old self think? Um, buy this book get this book uh, get it for your team study it together Uh, it's been updated to uh, allow you to once you buy the book to go get some really really valuable and well thought out resources Devin's brilliant brilliant and and so he he's making it easy for you to follow uh, how to do things the how to stuff um, from this book so it is belonging factor you can find it on Amazon you can find it in audible format And Devin, we're going to wrap this up next time. But before we do, next time will be the last chapter. Before we do, stand up, squat a little bit. Just stand up so I can see the word on your shirt. Ally. Ally. Devin has another company called the Ally Cooperative. That's correct. Yeah. And uh, Devin uh, sells some really cool stuff. And why don't you just explain a little bit about that as it relates to your work, it's, it's part of your work. You're still
1: watching this, pod, this video cast right now and you're, and you're getting this information from me. You must really be into this thing. So Ally Cooperative is definitely what you wanna check out. It's a, it's a cooperative of a bunch of different artists, activists, musicians, entrepreneurs who come together to help design and create some really neat stuff that we sell in the form of merchandise. Now 80% of all of our profits go right back into the communities that we help serve. And those are underprivileged communities fighting for social and racial justice, fighting for LGBTQ rights, disability rights, etc. And 100% of our profits from the human race campaign go directly to the Ella Baker Center for Human Rights. And uh, we have some really cool stuff. Go to allycooperative.com, check it out. There's ways to get involved. There's ways to nominate artists you might know who want to be able to put their art out into the world on, on shirts, hats, you name it. Uh, and they get whatever amount of profit margin they decide they want. They can donate it all or they can take it all to help make sure they can continue doing the work that is so important. So all of these are some really cool things that both support the community and deliver what I think is some kind of cool stuff for uh, people to be able to wear and show their pride and their own allyship within the communities that they're members of and the communities they support.
0: Well, we'll make sure that uh, in the kind of the program notes down below uh, on the YouTube channel that this will be, I'll make sure to put that there. And, uh, and your website, your business's website is there. And uh, this, again, is an example of Devin's creativity. And, and I think he just... Devin's this thing, you know. He's this guy that's got these ideas. Uh, yeah, you, come on, man. Let me compliment you. He's just got these ideas, and they're really, really, um, they're 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 really conscious ideas about how to make the world better, uh, how to make businesses better. but books like this. You got other books coming, Devin. And I really want people to get to know you. And and you are making yourself available through all these means. Oh yeah. You have a presence on LinkedIn too. So people go after it, just get to know Devin. And uh, I even think I saw you somewhere say, you know, pick up the phone and call me. I, I think you said something like that, yeah.
1: Absolutely, call, text, tweet, type, snail mail, stop by, knock on the door. There's a lot of ways to engage and that's exactly what it is that I do and I wanna do through the consulting work, through the book, through the podcast, uh, through the everything that is out there and through Ally Cooperative, of course. So thanks for the opportunity, Doug. I look forward to talking about the last chapter with you. Yeah,
0: and we're going to talk a little bit about your podcast, too, next week. Oh, cool. All right. So I'll see you next week, Devin. Thank you again. I like your shirt. Thanks. Thank you again for joining us at the Defined Engagement Bookcast. Next time, we'll be discussing Chapter 11 with Devin Halliday, A Practical Approach to People, Processes, and Profits. Now, if you'd like to get a hold of me and see other bookcasts, there's Anchor FM, just Doug-Fine, and my website, my Defined Performance Solutions website, www.dougjfine.com. Thank you again for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Take care.